I want to invite you to take a look with me once again at that text that Cade read from John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31, 41. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in Him, You are truly My disciples. If you remain faithful to My teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They responded, We are Abraham's children. We've never been anyone's slaves. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus answered, I assure you that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave isn't a permanent member of the household, but a son is. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you really will be free. I know that you're Abraham's children, yet you want to kill me because you don't welcome my teaching. I'm telling you what I've seen when I am with the Father, but you are doing what you've heard from your Father. They replied, Our Father is Abraham. Jesus responded, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the things that Abraham did. Instead, you want to kill me. Though I am the one who has spoken the truth I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You are doing your Father's works. Do we have another sermon? Okay, back to the text. They said, our ancestry isn't in question. The only Father we have is God. Now, you've heard that phrase, you will know the truth and the truth set you free. That's a very almost overused phrase. And I think it would do us well to take just a minute or two and ask ourselves, what does that really, really mean? Because it gets used a lot. Well, no truth, the truth will set you free. And we try to use that to tell other people, you need a wake-up call. But Jesus is asking the Jews who actually believed in Him to have a closer relationship with the truth. And this isn't just for the Jews. This is for us. Remember, did you notice, for example, that these are the Jews who trusted Jesus? The ones who want to kill Him, who don't want to hear His message of truth, are the ones who actually trust and believe in Him. And if you go back a few verses, you look and you see, here are the reasons why they trusted in Him. Because Jesus is the light of the world. Now that takes us all the way back to the Exodus. God led His people from slavery in Egypt to the land of promise. And by day, He was leading them with a cloud. All right. And what was it at night? Pillar of fire, a light. There was a light bringing them through the wilderness. Jesus saying, I am now that light that takes you through this desert world to the truth. Jesus is also in a category by Himself. This is why they don't appreciate His message. Most of us are doing our best in this world to try to self-define. And you are told every day, I am told every day, that we can define who we are. 
We just have to determine it. We just have to work up our willpower. We just have to do more, try harder, get better. And sometimes we actually come to worship. And the message that we tell ourselves and the promise we make to God is, God, I've really messed up. I'm going to do better though. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. Because right now I'm kind of getting in there right at about you know, 85%. I know it's not real bad, but I, I can push and maybe get up over 90 I've been, I've been a B-plus Christian, Lord, and I want to be A-plus. Now, I know, don't worry, God, I'll do better. And the whole time we're missing the point that God is saying, you don't define yourself. I define you. I mean, sometimes our relationship with the truth needs to improve because God has said, I don't think you're a B-plus Christian. In fact, everything that you're grading yourself on is stuff that I have absolutely no concern with. And I would rather that you be obedient and be more like my son. And Jesus said that He does define Himself because God defines Him. Wait a second, you just said He defines Himself. Well, He is God. His Father is God. So in that sense, He does come automatically with two witnesses to define him he's in a category by himself the good news for you and i is that's the standard jesus has to be measured by a completely different standard when we're trying to put jesus in the same category as us and we're trying to understand jesus the same way we understand one another We're using the wrong kind of measuring stick. In fact, we're not just using the wrong kind of measuring stick. It's like trying to use your tape measure to find out what the temperature is outside. I mean, that tape measure might be highly accurate, but if you go outside and try to use that to find out what the weather's going to be, forget it. You're not only using the wrong measuring stick, you're using the wrong standard. No, we need to reverse that. Jesus is, does not need to be put into our standards and judged by our standards, but we need to look at ourselves and one another according to His standard. Because Jesus is the one who is, is sent by the one who saves. And if we can't listen to Jesus, if we can't improve our relationship with the truth, now listen to this, if we can't improve our relationship with the truth, Jesus says, you'll die in your sins. That is not hellfire and brimstone preaching meant to make us all sweat and turn or burn. That is a truthful and honest, compassionate word that says, I want you to stop doing that which is going to lead to your death. This is the gospel. And these Jews trusted in Jesus, but they had lost their connection and their relationship with the truth. Here's the reality check. The reality check is this, that even in in worship, even in a church group, we can reduce faith down to discipleship, or, or, or faith and discipleship, and discipleship means being a learner, being a follower, but we can reduce it down to our own patterns of logic, and when we do that, we block the Holy Spirit. No wonder we don't understand the Holy Spirit. We don't think we need it. We, we, 
We're like that scene in, uh, uh, any of y'all ever heard of this uh, movie? I think it's like a documentary of Arkansas. It's called Sling Blade. You know? Uh, it's pretty accurate. And um, all these guys are sitting around, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with this tiller, and they're looking at all the machines and all the parts and everything. And here comes old Carl Childers, and he just looks at it, and he says, it ain't got no gas. We try to figure out how to build the church, form the church, run the church, how to do this, how to do that, how to do worship in decency and order, and we think, man, we've got this all figured out, everything is tuned up, and you know what? We don't have any gas. Because we've blocked out the Spirit, because we think it's just all about building a motor. Our quest for truth becomes negative and based on, on non-belief when we do that because then we look at everything and we say well that's not right and that's not right and this can't be right and that's not right and we're left with whatever remains it's like we think we can reduce faith down I can give you three scriptures you know why we don't get interested in reading scripture because we think well what are the ones that I really need to know just give me the short version I'll read the Cliff Notes Bible and the rest of it just isn't that important. I mean, from what you're telling me, preacher, two-thirds of it's been nailed to the cross. Why would I want to go jerk it off that nail and it's all ripped up? This is why we're not motivated, because we look at it the wrong way. Jesus is saying to these Jews that trusted in Him, this is your problem, and I'm warning you of this, not because I'm trying to make things difficult or trying to be combative, because if you don't improve your relationship with the truth, you're going to die in your sins. Let me tell you how we're taught to do this at a very early age. I don't know. Do they still have Sesame Street? Is there still such a thing existing? Yeah, they used to do this. They used to do this when I was a child. And we used to learn things like this. And I'm not going to put the video up there and sing the song because it will get stuck in your head all week. One of these things is not like the other. Three of these kids belong together. And I remember this one in particular. Because my, one of my favorite characters, Luis, the guy that ran the fix-it shop, is singing it. He's got a beautiful singing voice. He's saying three of these kids belong together. Three of these kids are doing their own thing. And he goes through the whole song, and then you're like, which one is different? Let me just ask the kids, which one's different? Huh? Who is it? The upside-down girl, right. That's obvious. But he looks at this and he goes, hmm, which one's different? Well, you could say it's Jay right here because he's the only boy up there. But man, you can't miss this girl right here. So, yep, it's her. And then you're like, yay, we know which one's different. And no one ever asks, why on earth is that girl hanging upside down? It's like, yeah, three of them. Do. We've just said, okay, she's different. Let's get her out of the picture. I think this guy right here is starting to think that. You can see by the look on his face. Why is she hanging upside down? And this is often what we do in our discipleship. Don't do that. Don't do this. Prove to me that you don't have to do this. Show me what doesn't belong. And we never stop and ask the question, why? Jesus is inviting us into that why. He says, abide in me, remain in me, and know the truth. 
We want to know more. How many times do we come to church over and over again? How many times do we sit in classes or we go into our own Bible study and we talk to God and we pray to God and God, just show me what you want me to do. God, just show me. Just tell me what you want me to do. And Jesus would say, I've been telling you this for quite a while, actually. You just don't seem to be listening because you're not abiding in me. You just want the quick answer. Abiding in Jesus' teaching means living in it rather than reducing it to the minimal points. When we reduce it down to a few quick bullet points, easy steps, uh, five facts, whatever it is, three simple points, it no longer becomes about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of kings, your Savior, my Savior, our King, the One who's coming back. We focus on facts rather than the Father and the Son. Knowing the truth is knowing Jesus. We've seen that elsewhere in John's Gospel. Pilate dares to ask Jesus the question, you know, what is truth? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. If you want to get to the Father, you're going to come to me. Jesus is the exodus, which is our slavery from sin. Did you notice that when He had this back and forth with them, they're they're so convinced that Jesus is wrong. And here's the next reality check. When we place our confidence in everything that we know, We forget our true identity. We become enslaved to sin. We lie to ourselves. It's just like Cade said. If it was up to us when we come to this Lord's Supper table, none of us would have a shot. That doesn't just mean that we're all unworthy. Because sometimes we have made this about us. And so we start to decide, just like three of these kids belong together, some people don't belong at this table, some people do. I don't want those people here, I want these people here. Why is that? Because we're placing our confidence in what we know. This is why we say, welcome to the table of the Lord. This is why we affirm that it is the Lord's Supper. Because when you go to somebody else's house, you don't say, now what are they doing here? What are they doing at this supper table? Can you imagine that? You go to somebody's house, and you tell your host, what's she doing here? Why is she at this table? And he says, Because that's my wife. Well, you would have just committed a very social faux pas. It is more appropriate for us to come to a closer relationship with the truth and understand why we've been invited to the table. We forget our identity. We forget what it means to be the adopted children of God who've been invited into this family. We forget what it means to have a Savior. When we become enslaved to sin, if you go back and notice in the text, what they were saying to Jesus is, what is all this business about knowing the truth? We're Abraham's children. We've never been enslaved to anybody. Think about that. Is that true? That's not even their story. That's not even the story that they should know. The story of the people of Israel begins with the Exodus. And what was the problem at the Exodus? They were slaves in Egypt. 
and God rescued them. The Exodus is the most important story in the Hebrew Bible. It all begins there. Not Genesis. Genesis just sets things up and tells us why things are the way they are. It's when we get to the Exodus. Abraham isn't even the most important story. Abraham just tells us what God is doing. But along the way, God calls this man named Abraham, makes him the father of a great nation. He has to start with one. And then that nation populates, and you've got all of these people, and then they end up in the wrong land, enslaved, and they are doing nothing of any earthly good other than making bricks for a rotten king who thinks he's a god. And God has to step in and save that. That's their story. We were slaves in Egypt and then God rescued us. But they tell Jesus, we're Abraham's kids. We've never been slaves to anyone. You know that Jesus just wants to point out the obvious and say, Egypt? Let's talk about Egypt. How about Babylon? You remember that? When they invaded you and they took you captive? Maybe you've never been slaves, but you've been captives. Not entirely sure what the big difference is there, but this is your story. And you and I, when we put up a front and act like, oh, you know, we're church-going folks, you know, we're not like them sinners out there. We've lost our identity. We've lost our story. We don't glory or revel. We don't take pride in our sins But we are the people who have been redeemed and we're able to say like Paul, once I was that, but now I am this. We're able to agree with Peter, our apostle, and say, once we were not a people, but now we're the people of God. Once we were in darkness, but now we're in the light. That's our reality check. And when we place our confidence in everything that we're supposed to know, we lie to ourselves. And trying to keep up that lie is burdensome. So burdensome. Israel, the Jews that trusted Jesus, said, we're free. And Jesus is saying, are you free? Because you don't know the truth. But if you will know the truth, if you will develop a closer relationship with the truth, then you will truly be free. You look back at the history of of the Restoration Movement, and there was a time that we put all of our faith in the claim that we, we are the one true church. I don't think that's the best way to put it. Not because I feel bad about that, not because I think that, but because I've read a little bit of the Bible. And I'm listening to what Jesus says right here in John 8. That maybe it would be a lot less burdensome if we saw ourselves as the church of the one who is the truth. Because that first option to be the one true church means that at every single moment, you and I have to get everything 100% absolutely right. And if we fail, there is no hope. But if we are the church of the one who is the truth, then we can put our trust firmly in Him. And when there are questions, we obey Him. We decide to go with Him. We decide to follow Him. Maintaining a false identity is an impossible burden. Some of you have learned that this week. Because you got emails from Pastor Chris Benjamin who wanted you to go out and get some Walmart cards or iTunes cards. And unfortunately, it's a bit of a burden that 
some joker out there is trying to use my name because then I have to write an email to everybody and say, look, this guy's good. He's slick. Because he's preying on the fact that you are basically good and decent people and want to do something good. But I'm telling you, don't buy it. I'm the real Chris Benjamin, and I'm standing up, and I'm saying, I'm never going to ask you for an iTunes card. Not going to introduce myself as pastor. I got one title, it's doctor, it's store-bought, and I got to use it to get my money back out of it. But the, I, I'm not going to do that that way. And that's the burden of maintaining a false identity. And if, it, that, if that's so difficult, then think about how much more difficult it is when we think that we're trying to fool everybody else and fool God and we just end up fooling ourselves when it would be so much easier and so much freeing to just trust in Jesus and find our identity and our name in Him. That's the reality check, and that's what I'd like to invite you to. I'd like to invite you to a very special reality check. Now, I want to make this real practical because the closer relationship with the truth is a relationship with our Lord. I'm going to ask our, our shepherds and their wives, and I'm doing this because some of you may be new and you may not know who they are. And this, this may seem like, like Larry Roper was saying in his prayer, it may seem a bit uncomfortable, but this is okay for us to do this because it's not wrong. It's just kind of moving the furniture around a little bit. We're going to stand and sing a song here in a moment. We've done this before. And you've you got Larry Todd right back there in the back and some of our other shepherds. If, if you and, and, and I'm asking your wives because sometimes, we're, you know, that survey said that we are 50% women in this church and sometimes our women want to pray with another woman. We get that. That's okay. And I'm going to ask our ministers and, and, and their spouses, you know, just go ahead and take a place out here where people can see you, Okay. If you guys want to go ahead and make those moves now, Brent's going to be up here singing too. Here's what I want to do. I don't want this opportunity to leave us. I want to give you a very real opportunity. If you need to talk to somebody and improve your relationship with the truth, because my concern is maybe we're putting some things off. Maybe we're putting some things off that we don't need to put off anymore. Maybe we need to name the sins that hurt us. The sins that are ruling our lives. The sins that are getting in the way of things. You know what? I'm going to add to this since we're small in number. I'm going to ask our CR ministry leaders and spouses, would you go ahead and join them in this? And I'll tell you why I'm including them. Because we do a lot of this on Monday night. And that might be another invitation. That you might want to be a part of that. You can trust these people. They have their certification in non-judgmental uh, prayer. Okay? They, uh, they've been trained in this. But... Maybe we've put off a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe we think we're not worthy. There might be some lie, some false identity that is burdening us. Let today be the day that you improve your relationship with the truth. And the truth will set you free. Let's let go of the worry. Let go of ignoring our story. Let go of ignoring the truth. And trust in the One who is right. While we're singing this song, maybe you need a word of prayer. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. You know, you can even talk to the people who are right here next to you. Because all of it, we're not here to justify you. We're not here to make you right. We are just fellow travelers along the way who are seeking the truth along with you. And we want you to know you're not alone in that quest.
And we happen to know the one who is the truth. And we're all striving to be the church of the one who is truth. Let's sing together. You go ahead and ask for prayer if you need it.